Welcome to the Thomas Industry Update Podcast, actionable information for industry leaders. I'm Tony Uphoff. Hi, everyone. I'm Sean Fitzgerald, the Chief Marketing Officer here at Thomas. I'll be stepping in as host for today's episode while our CEO, Tony Uphoff, enjoys some well-deserved time away from the mic to spend time with his family this Thanksgiving. Today on the Thomas Industry Update podcast, we welcome our most recent Thomas Champion for Industry Award winner, Michael Bell, CEO of Symbio. At Thomas, we selected Mike as our Q3 winner as he's a true dual threat. He's focused on growing his new systems integration startup, Symbio, and acting as a change agent for future generations of the manufacturing workforce. He's powered programs at Sierra College, California Community College, and California State Universities to prepare the next generation for careers in advanced manufacturing. As the current chair of the Sacramento Valley Society of Manufacturing Excellence, Michael is working to unveil a new apprenticeship program in Q1 of 2021 that will give industry professionals on-the-job training and experience while also earning an official certification. Today, we'll learn about his journey to becoming a leader in advanced manufacturing training, his thoughts on the best way to prepare the next generation of manufacturing experts, his views on the impact of technology on the future workforce, and his best tips to help close the skills gap. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, I really appreciate you making some time to come hang out with us today and talk about uh, manufacturing and all the great work that you're doing to uh, help educate this next group of manufacturing professionals as they come into the workforce or are re-entering the workforce. So it's always interesting for us to hear, Mike, how did you start your interest in manufacturing and start your journey? What got you interested in manufacturing? Unknowingly at the time, my journey started back my youth years, so playing Legos with my siblings. I got three siblings, two brothers, one sister, and we got together and always put uh, a little session together where I would put, we'll call them contraptions, vehicles, and I would be the builder and sell that to my uh, siblings with That's these cool. little shiny trinkets, and then they would take it and fight and break it, and I would fix it. So that led into, I didn't realize that was considered the onside of my manufacturing pathway. And so I didn't really get exposed to what manufacturing was until I went to undergrad at Sac State. And it was when I was joining the Formula SAE student club. And I got exposed to that environment where I would design, build, and, and race this open style Formula One, Formula style race car. And that got me exposed to what manufacturing was in real time. And I fell in love with it ever since. My journey started with Legos as well. I was extremely happy to see Benny. He was my soulmate in the Lego movie there when that came out. So we all remember having him as a little blue Lego when we were kids. I, I did mechanical um, on my journey here, but I think many of us started out the same way. So great to hear how you fell in love there with manufacturing and just engineering and problem solving in general, which I think is what got a lot of us going early on. As you started to progress in your career, what began to draw you to education and training and really beginning to tackle apprenticeships there in California and then to collaborate with SME on top of that? What started to drive that for you? Like I said, it started back when I was still in the formula days. Uh, the way the club was broken out, it was design one semester and then manufacturing the next semester. And it was interesting. There was a 200% increase of interest from the student body. 
from one semester to the next because they all wanted to get some hands-on learning in regards to manufacturing. And that led me to uh, down the rabbit hole of thinking about and talking to other colleagues and people about the ecosystem, exactly how interested people are in manufacturing. And on the flip side, how much lack of education there is about what manufacturing is overall, how integral it is to everyday life and the opportunities available throughout the entire region. And that led me to a checkered experience that I have with, and it comes to education, being an instructor, being in the industry as an engineer, and then working in uh, the workforce development sphere. And the combination of those three experiences uh, really led me to the conclusion that uh, we need to really reevaluate our training structure, not just in the country, but in the region specifically. And then I realized that there's already mechanisms in place that nicely fits into what companies are already doing and that can easily adopt the existing education system as well. That's what led me to apprenticeships. I think it's really interesting that, again, that you're stepping into this and really tackling it from an institutional perspective on it. It's funny when I chat, especially with custom manufacturing folks, about their apprenticeship programs that they have internally, they're almost secretive about it at this point because of the skills gap, right? Because they're working so hard to try and try and build up these folks inside of their businesses and educate them and get them rock solid on everything that they can do. They're afraid that people are going to come in and poach them after all that hard work. So it's a weird backwards thing where when people have an awesome apprentice program, they also tend not to talk about it a ton out there in the world other than the folks that they're recruiting. And that's interesting because that's uh, so SME is, is the organization that I'm primarily affiliated with, but that was the foundation for another organization that I'm intimately familiar with, which is actually what the apprenticeship program is organized underneath, which is called the Sacramento Valley Manufacturing Initiative. And it's, they're on the process right now of creating their own separate entity. So it's going to be the Sacramento Valley Manufacturing Alliance. But that organization was created specifically for C-level executives, business owners in the manufacturing ecosystem to collaborate and work together to focus uh, and address the workforce issues. They were tired of poaching from each other. They're tired of the lack of pool of candidates. They wanted to be part of the solution and be proactive in that regard. And to your point, that's the long-term solution. You know, what you're working on, having people hop back and forth between uh, manufacturing facilities, not sustainable over the long haul. Right. You know, when we get to talk to you when you won your Champion for Industry Award, uh, you mentioned that there's currently no real standardized approach to industry education and training. And, you know, how does your new apprenticeship program really work? And what's your personal favorite part of the, the program as it goes along? So my favorite part and the way it foundationally works is we created it so that it can be modular in nature. So the standards that we're developing allow for the inclusion of any type of occupation and any complexity of occupation. In other words, we've created a mechanism that allows on and off ramps at distinct endpoints throughout the program. And it allows an opportunity for those that already have a lot of experience within the industry to validate their skill sets and and fast track their skill sets to a credential. So we're looking at the reality of the situation where we needed to create a, a training program that can grow people from the ground up, but also allow for the entry from individuals already in the industry at varying positions in their career. It's interesting. There's a gentleman 
who's a superintendent out in Connecticut that's trying to tackle this in his state as well, where they work not only with students, but also with the parents of students to try and help them get educated for a career in manufacturing and then actually get placement as well. So it's nice to see these things cropping up all across the country here. And good to see that you and the team at SME are really leading the way on how perhaps we can organize this in a more official fashion across the board here. Sal would talk about the impact on not only the lives of the students feeling ready and prepared when they go out into the world, but also he told a story about a parent who had worked, I believe it was at Verizon or one of the cable companies and had gotten laid off and was really wondering how they were going to take that next step. Went through the program there and actually graduated and is doing far better now than they were when they were working at Verizon too and have tons of job opportunities. So what kind of impact have you seen with the apprenticeships that and the folks that have come through your programs and the business and the impact on the businesses that they end up working at? It's interesting. Like I said, I'm affiliated with uh, SVMI and with SVMI, we had piloted a couple of pre-apprenticeship programs back in 2018 and 19. And the original intent of that program was to target youth, recent graduates from high schools or current students enrolled in community college courses. What we end up happening was individuals coming from different backgrounds, different industries, entirely different sectors. And the average age of that group was more like 35. Wow. So we had the awakening there, realizing that there's people that have already been through the grinder, have already been through 10 different career opportunities paths and are looking for long-term sustainable career opportunity for long-term growth path or professional uh, pathway itself. So we realized that we have to shift our focus, at least for me personally, my focus is shifted towards targeting the adult population itself, providing a culture, you know, changing the culture of how we view career technical education, manufacturing occupations, and apprenticeship programming overall. And, and it definitely starts, from my opinion, I'm always looking at short-term or long-term, but short-term, we have to get the adults and the parents trained up and appreciating the opportunities that are available. And by very nature, by default, that's going to trickle down to their children and future generations. If the emphasis is only on addressing K-12 education, problem with that approach is they graduate from these programs, there's still no foundation, there's still no culture shift at the adult level to be able to welcome these new entries into the, the ecosystem. Mike, you make an incredibly important point, and we are super passionate about this here at Thomas. I think one of the misconceptions of the manufacturing space is it's this dirty fingernail job. And you and I both know that nothing is further from the truth at this point going forward. And what we've been really discussing with a lot of folks is this concept that we're really shifting from blue collar jobs and white collar jobs to a new collar job, right? To your point, you're seeing a lot of folks that average age of 35 coming back to re-enter the workforce and uh, being trained because it's a massively different place now than what it used to be. The digital transformation of industry has not only changed the processes on the factory floor, but it's impacted workforce training too, right? It's a very different training facility that you have right now than probably what I went through 20 years ago, even in engineering school. Absolutely. So, you know, how do you anticipate the, the changing of jobs and what that starts to look like where people historically thought of like a toolmaker and a machinist, that job is getting very different as we move forward. Yeah, the... Influx or introduction of software and advanced electronics and 
data analytics are definitely going to keep pushing the envelope of the skill sets needed. And that's what you mentioned earlier about the skills gap. There's a skills gap of the people who are already in the industry and that need to upskill themselves for uh, more advanced technology and, and best practices. And at the same time, there's a skills gap in regards to the fundamentals for just the manufacturing process from a process perspective. When you start introducing electronics and software, that's when it becomes advanced and next level, but there's a skills gap from both perspectives. And it's one thing to rely on the computer or the automated equipment for the, the process. When the machine doesn't do what it's supposed to do, the knowledge of the pure fundamental process comes into play to be able to troubleshoot it effectively and be able to, to think about alternate ways to, to get around any issues. So from my perspective, yeah, that's definitely going to be a critical component to tackle to increase the level of preparedness from a digital literacy perspective at the same time raising the knowledge overall from the entire ecosystem on what new technologies and software is out there. Maybe a couple of years ago, went into a machine shop and there's individuals that they're, they're on the job learners. They've been trained for 20, 30, 40 years, nothing against that at all. But the difficulty with that process is there's no new introduction of best practices or technologies. And so we had, I watched somebody who was seasoned machinist still putting in a G code by hand into the controller. Not even CAD CAM software package with a DNC software package to upload the program and then hooking up that machine to a network and getting some data analytics. Like, and that's next level. That's the future. But there's still people struggling with existing technologies. So you, you asked about future technologies. We're dealing with a skills gap with just current technology, let alone what's going to happen in the future. So we definitely have a lot of catching up to do. It's interesting because one of the things that we're watching right now is a forcing function of the pandemic that we're all here living through right now is all the manufacturing companies that put off, oh, may, geez, maybe I don't want to buy that machine right now. Hey, we can survive without it. Everybody's moving towards more automation, industry 4.0, anything AI or ML related. I think it's an interesting thing to note, especially as the demographics of the workforce change, right? You talked about your initial game plan was to aim at those folks that were in school or coming out of school, and you ended up with an average age of 35 for folks really looking in the program. It's interesting to watch the impact of the millennial generation come through, and I'll put all my cards on the table right now. I don't <laughs> adhere to any of that stuff that's in the media saying that millennials are lazy or any of that. There are people that want to work hard and people that don't want to work hard in every generation, so I'll, I'll get rid of that right away. But I think one of the interesting parts that I've seen in millennial generation is just their willingness to accept new technology extremely quickly with almost no friction at the end of the day, because that's the way they've grown up, right? Oh, there's a new app I need to use today, or hey, there's a new piece of software that can do that. The acceptance is fairly quick. Are you seeing the same things when you're going through your training in the apprenticeship program? Absolutely, from one fellow millennial to another. But yeah, I'm 33, like I said, born in 87, and that's a unique period because I experienced what it was like to, to type a report on a typewriter and learn how to do research on the internet and write a report and then transitioning to smartphones now. So you can imagine people from before in the middle of this period, like my mother, she doesn't know anything about how to utilize her smartphone as much. And at the same time, you got people who were born and raised in the age of the internet. Millennials have that leg up personally, at least from my personal experience, to be able to appreciate the progression of technology from 
very analog to digital technologies. I, I'm, I'm laughing over here, Mike, because I too learned uh, how to type on a typewriter and I was chided by all the, the folks on the team for double space after periods. That's not a thing anymore, apparently. I still do that. <laughs> I had to stop myself because there was so much mocking on our end. I had to, to change that habit real fast. <laughs> hey, so let's just, let's set a scenario for you, Mike. So look, you obviously have a huge background in how to set up successful apprenticeship programs that produce high number, high qualities when they come through it. If you were getting hired as a consultant for someone working a manufacturing facility right now, what are three main steps you would tell them to look at to say, hey, look, these are the things that you really need to do if you want to get a successful program started to make your own talent and really fill the skills gap inside of your own business? So we have this uh, program going to start launching here in uh, 2021. And the, the previous experience up to this point really got me thinking about that question. And the, the conclusion I came up with was, was these three points. Uh, number one is proactive engagement with K-12 awareness of the opportunities. Can't just rely on the education system itself to know what the new latest and greatest technologies and needs are. They have a proactive interest, education partners, to engage with employers, but the employers have to be at the table. They have to be at industry advisory meetings. They got to show up to career fairs. They have to be actively engaged with molding and developing the education ecosystem. That's number one. Number two is upscaling existing workforce to allow for more entry opportunities for new hires. Not just entry opportunities for new hires, but upscaling existing workforce to raise the caliber of knowledge and, and capability of the existing incumbent workforce. And then the last thing I would say would be to encourage the existing workforce, the seasoned employees to become instructors to ensure that the latest industry best practices are, are directly circulating back into the education system. We had those two pre-apprenticeship programs that we hosted with SVMI at Sierra College here in Northern California. We had four industry partners who had no experience in formal education. They didn't have any formal credential. I think one of them had an apprenticeship credential, but the rest of them didn't have any degree opportunities or, or degree credential or whatnot. But they were pleasantly surprised with their experience. They loved the experience of teaching and sharing their knowledge to uh, a group of uh, captured students who were eager to learn and, and develop their skill sets. And now they are actively engaged in, in pursuing opportunities for more instruction positions, even work in the industry. So having instructors working full-time and then maybe teaching one or two classes at a local community college or, or a university, it's gonna definitely help mold the entire system. And, and that's the sustainability plan is to recycle that knowledge back into the education system and keep it moving. So from your perspective, Mike, obviously there are tons and tons of different manufacturing services out there that require these new collar jobs and the skilled labor that uh, you and I have been talking about. Is there an area where you're personally seeing more need or more excitement from the apprentices, whether that's it's tool making or CNC machining or progressive die stamping or plastic injection molding. Are you seeing any type of trends inside of your training or requests for training? Yeah. So the number one requests are CNC machinists. The entire region is dying for not just uh, machinists, but even just set up people and operators, just people to be able to, to stand in front of the machine for eight hours and be able to, to inspect parts as it comes out of the machine. That and industrial or automation machine technicians 
like you said earlier, the introduction with a lot of automation into uh, products lines definitely requires a need for an influx of individuals who have that expertise. And it, you can even think of it like as a almost like field tech repair people as well. So people who have a lot of knowledge or a little bit of knowledge in a lot of areas uh, of manufacturing when it comes to welding, manual machining, PLC programming, electronics, fluids, mechanical systems, but they don't have to be experts in all of them, but the combination of those makes them a well-rounded automation technician and maintenance technician for equipment, manufacturing equipment in particular. So those are the top two needs that employers in the region have, have articulated. So uh, to, to pull on that thread, that's probably the highest opportunity for solid employment going forward, but also highest opportunities for salary and just personal income generation too, huh? Absolutely. The opportunities are, are endless. And the problem is that there's a certain minimum mechanical, technical aptitude required for those occupations, let alone the training and the experience that comes along with that. So it takes time to develop people like that. And programs are starting to get launched as we speak, but there's some outside the box thinking to fast track the on-ramping of those people into the industry. So, hey, Mike, as we wrap up here today at SVMI, do you have anyone you'd like to give shout outs to? Any folks that are doing donations for you, whether it's equipment or time or anything else? Yeah, absolutely. So, so I would say the SVMI group, the president is Kevin McGrew, quality director at Siemens. The executive director is Dean Peckham. Them two have been absolutely phenomenal in, in their efforts. And we actually have another individual who's taken the lead on the apprenticeship program itself, Tim Schaefer tool reseller and machinist himself. And between the, the four of us, we've been able to orchestrate and consolidate the efforts and the interest from a lot of manufacturers from a variety of different industries. And each member is a different company. And each one of these companies have bought into the idea that they need to be proactive and developing their workforce and collaboratively together, knowing the fact maybe issues with poaching or whatnot, but they all realize it's already happening. So once they stop and thought about what their issues are now and coming up with ideas on how to solve those barriers, they realize they have to do it in a collaborative effort and they have to do it in a proactive effort by engaging with education partners and being the forefront of program development and molding the culture and the entire workforce, really. Is that something that's open to other companies if they wanted to join up and work with you too? Absolutely. So if people go to a sacvalleymfg.org, they can go to the website for SVMI. It's a membership-based model. We also look at getting uh, grant funding support to help subsidize that effort for specific program developments. That's the, the primary and, and very critical component for any workforce program is to get industry buy-in. In order to get industry buy-in, there needs to be consolidation of, of effort and desire around an organization that they've built and they've created and manage themselves as industry partners. SVMI's slogan is for manufacturers by manufacturers. They're created this industry association for the specific purposes of engaging with each other. That's perfect. I, I completely agree with you. Everything that you're working on and building there is the lifeblood of keeping all those businesses going. So all the smart leaders out there, if you're in the region and you're not a member yet of the SVMI, time to probably get on that and uh, work with Mike and his team and the folks to make sure you uh, protect your future uh, workforce there in your company. Absolutely. Last question for you today, Mike. If you could put one sentence on a billboard that expresses your personal philosophy, what would it say? 
I would say uh, don't be afraid to fail and have confidence in yourself that you will learn and grow from that experience. To learn more about Michael Bell's long-term solutions to the industrial skills gap and how you can create an effective apprenticeship program for your industrial business, check out the links provided in the show notes of today's podcast. If you'd like to share your feedback about this or any other episode, please email us at podcast at thomasnet.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Your feedback helps us connect with and inform more professionals across the industry. Want to get more insights on supply chain, IoT, industrial business, and more? Sign up for our Thomas Industry Update daily newsletter. With more than 300,000 subscribers, your inbox will be in good company. Subscribe now for free at thomasnet.com updates.